Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya. Yeah. Quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. The Cop Table Podcast, where tonight we are previewing the Liverpool versus Leicester game this coming Wednesday evening at Anfield. Joining me for the Reds once again, we have on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show and um, on all the game previews for the Cop Table now. So, welcome back on, Jay. How are you? Hi, mate. Yeah, not too bad. You know, just like nice little break now and looking forward to this game on Wednesday against Leicester. Yeah, set up to be a good game. And uh, joining us for Leicester tonight, we have Rob Hayes. Rob is part of the For Fox Sake podcast, um, being on with us previously as well. So, well, you hearing all that? Yeah, same to you, pal. So, yeah, we're going to start off with um, with Jay while Liverpool are the home side this uh, in this fixture. So, looking back at our last game, Jay Crystal Palace, um, absolutely crazy game. Um, end-to-end, a point in the game, and um, we just couldn't seem to get away from Palace, could we? They kept on coming back at us, and then we get the late goal in, in extra time, and Mane, with Mane, and we think it's game over, and then bang, 4-3, and then we're left hanging on. So, 
just give us your thoughts on the the performance in that game and and a general um, your general feeling about it, Jay. Well, going into the game, I thought it was you know I expect it to be a tough game because Crystal Palace are a little bit of a bogey team to Liverpool. I mean, he had a record, didn't he, of where he won three on the spin against us at Anfield. So you know they're a big, powerful side. Aren't you know, plenty of pace in the team with Zaha, Townsend, Schlupp, who, who actually came off the bench in the game, but you know, Van Arnold as well, the full-back. So, you know, I was expecting it to be tough, and, you know, with the injury problems Liverpool have got defensively, especially in the right-back area, we all expected James Milner to, to play right-back, you know, as a makeshift right-back, and that's exactly what happened. And, you know, I expected it to be a tough afternoon for him against Wilfred Zaha, and so it proved, and that's where the first goal came from, wasn't it, you know? He hit us on the counter attack really, and he, he turned Milner inside out and flew ball into the into the box into the path of Andros Townsend who, who slotted it, and you know, we were one 0 down at half time. It, it was a little bit dodgy, wasn't it? Really, because you know for Liverpool controlled most of the game, but we didn't really have that many opportunities. I didn't think in the first half, and you know you were just hoping that Liverpool would step it up a little bit in the second half, and it helped, didn't it? Getting the two quick goals at the start of the second half. I mean, obviously. Van Dijk, it was a little bit similar to the goal against Everton, wasn't it, in the derby game, where he had, he had a shot from outside the box, looked like it was completely going off target, took a bit of a deflection, and fantastic instinctive finish by Salah to, to make it 1-1. And then, of course, uh, Bobby Firmino popped up with a deflected strike that went into the corner, and you know, it was great. The scenes were fantastic to, to go from you know a goal down a half-time to quickly to go into a 2-1 lead. It was fantastic, but we switched Switched off, didn't we, from the set piece, from the corner into the box, and James Tompkins equalised with a head, and he was unmarked, really. It just evaded uh, Van Dyke, didn't it? And he was free, unmarked at the back stick, not their own 2-2. And you're wondering, aren't you, there, where, you know, 2-2, Liverpool very rarely concede any goals at Anfield, let alone one, and then all of a sudden, here we are, we've conceded two against Crystal Palace, and you were thinking to yourself, my God, they are like a bit of a bogey team to us, and is it going to come back to haunt us a little bit? But... You know, once again, you know, we, we we took the lead, and it was very fortuitous, wasn't it? You know, James Milner credit to him. I mean, obviously he had a torrid afternoon trying to deal with Wilfred Zaha, but he still got forward quite a bit and offers offered Liverpool a little bit of width, and you know, we it was it was a lost cause really, and he he managed to cross the ball over, and Spironi just he, he totally misjudged the flight of the ball, and. Uh, an absolute howler, really. Flipped the ball up in the air and it was spinning in towards the goal and you know, Mo Salah just rushing in, slotted their own for us to make it 3-2 and you're thinking, you know, that's it now. But then, I thought Henderson was fantastic one of his better performances for Liverpool all season. And then he played a hospital ball into Milner and he's already been booked. He was on a yellow card and he basically went through Zaha, brought him down, got a second yellow card and resulted in a red card and Liverpool were down to 10 men and you're thinking, oh, here we go. You know, is it going to come back to haunt us? The fact that, you know, as I said before, Crystal Palace, notoriously a little bit of a bogey team to Liverpool and you know, they were peppering the goal, weren't they, with efforts and Liverpool hit them on the break and Mane should have scored just prior to actually scoring the fourth goal and then he, he did wrap it up, you know, from the angle, slotted it home and you think that's it. You know, good night, he was in injury time, Liverpool three points, fantastic. But then... <laughs> Crystal Palace went down the other end and made it 4-3, basically the last kick of the game, but he did actually have one more opportunity, and uh, Rafa Camacho, the young Portuguese kid, made 
a fantastic challenge on Wilfred Zaha in the box. If he would have got it wrong, it could have been a penalty. Or if he would have lost them and he went round, and obviously they would have had an opportunity to score a fourth. So, you know, it was squeaky bum time really towards the end of the game. But it was a fantastic three points in the end, and it just ramped up the pressure on Manchester City really. But you know, they keep on winning themselves, don't they? So it's important really this these midweek games now that. Manchester City obviously play before we do. They play on Tuesday away to Newcastle. Liverpool have got Leicester, as we're talking about now, on the Wednesday. So, you know, I'm sure it's going to be a tense game on Wednesday night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, size of the relief around the stadium after the after the final whistle, wasn't it, against Crystal Palace. So, yeah, good to get the victory again and um, on to Leicester now. So, Rob, just going to talk a little bit about your, your last fixture against Wolves and and the, the previous form of Leicester, just looking at the fixtures, the last time um, Leicester registered a victory was actually on Merseyside against Everton on, on the first. Um, and then you played Newport, Southampton and Wolves. So um, talk us a little bit about the form Leicester are in and, and a little bit about that, that Wolves fixture, please, uh, Rob. Yeah, it's been a long old month when you put it like, like that. that it's, we've, it's been New Year's Day since we last got a victory. Uh, yeah, 4-3 uh, reverse. You guys enjoyed a 4-3 last time out. We we struggled a little bit. Um, we, we had a bit of a sloppy start against Wolves, and that's kind of been a recurring theme under Claude Puel, really. Um, but we we changed a sort of mentality after the break, really went at Wolves and got, got ourselves back into the game. But a couple of individual area, errors and a little bit of nice naivety and and we came out um losing 4-3 uh but it was i think it was the best we've played this year obviously it was only our fourth fixture of the year but i think it's the best football we've played certainly in the second half damari gray's best performance of the season for me he's got a lot of potential that we've talked about for years and years that he's not really fulfilled yet but he 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 played really well harvey barnes got his first start since being recalled from a, a loan spell at West Brom, where he was doing really well in the first half of the season. Uh, but yeah, if you look back at the previous fixtures, uh, you've got to say that if we're hosting Southampton at the King Power Stadium and playing against 10 men for 45 minutes, uh, whose only striker hasn't scored a goal in seven months, we've got to be winning the game. Uh, but we lost it 2-1 and Shane Long did score against us. Of course he did, because we <laughs> like to meet all those kind of records. Uh, rewind that another week. We lost lost to Newport County away in the FA Cup third round. Hence, we've had this weekend off, which um, has driven me absolutely crackers watching every other team that's worth anything playing in the in the fourth round of the Cup and us being out. But uh, questionable uh, team selection. I mean, we, we do have players on the fringe. When do you give them game time, if not against Newport County? Still on paper, that team should have beaten them. But it was... Um, I'm sure most of you guys watched it on uh, on the BBC on that Sunday afternoon a couple of weeks ago as well. It was pretty terrible. We couldn't break down a team from that far down the the, the league standings, and we've got absolutely no chance. Uh, and yeah, we beat Everton obviously first game first game of 2019. Absolutely terrible game, probably the worst game in the in the Premier League this season. But one chance for Jamie Vardy and a goal, and that's that's ultimately the difference. But we haven't been finding him in good areas often enough and I think that's been our main problem Yeah and just looking back before the um, before the Everton game and, and the Cardiff game two victories for, for Leicester City one against Chelsea away 1-0 and then a 2-1 home victory 
against Manchester City, two of the top sides in, in the top four. Do you think there's um, a psychological tendency for, for Puel's side to, to turn up for the big games and, and sort of take the foot off the gas a little bit in, in the games against the mid-table and, and the lower league, uh, the, the lower leagues, teams down the league, sorry? Yeah, I think there's two elements to that. I think one, Claude Puel likes to play possession-based football. He likes to build it from the back. It's not as quick as as the kind of football that we've been used to in the last few years at Leicester. But you can't really do that against the top teams. Regardless of how much you try, your possession stats are always going to be lower against teams like Chelsea and Man City, who in possession are very, very good. So we had to kind of revert to what we knew in hitting teams on the counter counter-attack, getting balls forward early, using the pacing behind it in the channels. And I think that works. And also, I think the second element to it is that Clubwell seems to be struggling to motivate players when he needs to. Um, and I think that's down to the same thing that the fans see from him as well. They just see a personality that doesn't really strike you as somebody that is going to inspire a team to perform. It doesn't strike you as a, a kind of personality that's inspiring the fans to particularly get behind him and his brand of football. So the element of motivation there against uh, about playing against the top four, top six teams in the Premier League may have caused that extra edge for Leicester. But I think it's mainly down to the fact that not having the ball so much actually suits us for the most part. Excellent stuff. Thanks, Rob. OK, then, back over to you then, Jay. Um, we've had a little bit of a, a mini break, if you like, been away. Uh, in Dubai how do you think this is going to affect the, the performance against Leicester do you think it's going to revitalise the side or do you think it, it would, would have been better to, to keep the games flowing if you like I'll just see um, this mini break having an effect on the, on the side please Jay well, it should have helped, shouldn't it, to recharge the batteries a little bit because, you know, the weather's been poor here, hasn't it? So to, to go on a little bit of warm weather training somewhere, it's it's got to help, hasn't it? A little bit of team bonding and, you know, everyone seems a bit happier, don't they, when, it, when the sun's out rather than, you know, obviously the cold and the wind and rain. So, you know, at the end of the day, it should help in that sense. But, um, yeah, there's two ways of looking at it because obviously it's the momentum, isn't it? It's like a, a gap, is it like 11 days since when, when we play on Wednesday, it'll have been 11 days, won't it? So, yeah. you know, it's it's not ideal really because it can upset the rhythm and the tempo and the momentum that you've got. But um, our last couple of performances haven't exactly been the, the greatest of the, you know, obviously the Crystal Palace game was, wasn't the best really and, Brighton, you know, Liverpool control the game, but we didn't really create that many opportunities to score against Brighton and managed to get a 1-0 victory due to a penalty. So, you know, maybe we did need to freshen up a little bit and, you know, hopefully certain players will be back. I mean, we don't know yet whether or not Sense Alexander-Arnold will make the game. It's probably unlikely because it looked like he still had his knee in a brace the other day, but you just never know, do you? He seems like a quick healer, the young kids so hopefully he'll be back to play it right back but if he isn't then obviously we've got a little bit of an issue there because James Milner is now suspended after being sent off against Crystal Palace so you know there's also Fabinho if Liverpool would have played this weekend it's probably unlikely that Fabinho would have played because he's only just returned to light training so I mean whether or not he'll make the game and potentially have to play right back because you know he could be touch and go for the game but he's had that little bit of extra time to sort of like find his fitness and get back into the, the swing of things really and maybe heal a little bit 
Um, other than that, I mean, if we don't, be, if Fabinho is unavailable and Trent Alexander Arnold doesn't make the game as well, then I mean, it, we're, we're looking at the young kid Rafa Camacho, aren't we? Really to play right back, which again, it's not ideal. But I'm hoping if that is the case, then because it's at Anfield, we should be okay. Yeah, maybe a different story if we had to go away from home and we were going to play. Uh, Leicester at the King Power Stadium, maybe it'd be a bit tougher there, but with it being at Anfield, you'd like to think we'd, we'd be able to manage that situation and get through it. Um, but, you know, like I say, it's one of them, you know, people go on about over the Christmas period, the festive period being the games come thick and fast, it's intense, you've got a game basically every three days, so, you know, Liverpool have had a little mini break now, so there's certainly no excuses, I mean, Obviously, Klopp didn't play a strong team away to Wolves in the third round of the FA Cup, did he? And, you know, when you're playing a Premier League team away from home, I think really should have played a little bit of a stronger side. But I take on board that certain players were fatigued and we had a few injury issues. So, you know, he, he made the decision to play a weekend team and we ended up losing 2-1 and we're out the cup. And this is why we're in this situation now. But there's not really that much of an advantage going into this game against Leicester because Leicester are in the same as Liverpool, same predicament. They went out the cup to Newport, so they've had the same adequate time, the rest period, as what Liverpool have had. So, you know, we're going into two, both teams really are going to be fresh, aren't they, going into the game? So, you know, there's no excuses from both teams really, so they should be right up for it. But you'd like to think Liverpool have got a little bit too much, and maybe a bit, you know, our superior players will shine through on the night, but, you know, we'll see because Leicester are no mugs, are they? You know, we've seen already this season. You know, they, they went to Stamford Bridge for a victory and they also beat Manchester City at home and they're quite recent, aren't they? They were around the festive period, so you know that wasn't so long ago. And they also went to Everton as well and won on New Year's Day. As you say, they're more than capable. They've got some very good players in the team and I'm expecting it to be tough on Wednesday night. Yeah, most definitely. OK, um, over to yourself again then, Rob. We're going to talk a little bit, bit about your manager, Claude Puel. Like we said on the previous little piece that we we spoke about, the few defeats that they they've had Leicester, um, is he under any sort of sort of pressure from from the fans or or from the board at Leicester? What what's the situation with him at the moment? Massive fan pressure. Uh, I don't think there's ever been not certainly not in my near thirty years of of following Leicester has there been such a divide on a manager and such vocal um, cries for him to leave the club, really. Uh, most of the fan groups or fan Twitter pages have, have a, some kind of poll or discussion most weeks. Are you Puel in or Puel out? And and it's ridiculous because the, the polls change so much based on one result that you think, well, what are people actually basing this on? You know, we lose a game, it's like 70-odd percent Puel out but you win a game and all of a sudden it's only about 50-50. I'm not saying it ever swings in the fa- in massively in favour of him staying in, but the, but there's a massive swing in terms of, of opinion based on individual results. If you look at the job that he's been brought in to do, I think on the whole he's fulfilling the brief of the board, which is why I'm, I'm not convinced that he's under pressure directly from the board, but I think the board uh, have been so good to the fans and so good at running the club for them over the last um, few years since they've been in charge, that there will come a point where they'll have to listen to the majority of the fans' opinions. Uh, and the majority of the fans' opinions, the majority of the time, is is Puel out. Now, I'm I'm not in the Puel out camp. 
Uh, I'm finding it sometimes more difficult than I used to to be well in. Um, but in terms of the fact that we're, we're in a transition period, which a few managers have failed failed to manage, um, Claudio Ranieri felt the effects of trying to play the same way and trying to juggle the Champions League football. Craig Shakespeare uh, took over and, and wasn't really the right man to manage that transition. Um, Puel has a track record of developing young players, bringing in young players or bringing them through the academy, uh, establishing a team that plays good possession football is that going to happen overnight no but the problem is he's he's managing in the Premier League where as he knows firsthand from getting sacked uh, by Southampton after eighth place finish and a League Cup final um, it's an instant results business um, but more than results you've got to play well at the same time which I mean I mean Premier League management's a ridiculous business to be in um, so it's it, it's hard because he he's doing the right things. He's get he's try, trying to get the best out of young players. He's trying to change the way that we play because ultimately, Leicester fans want to be a team that are knocking on the door of the top six. You don't get to that, that point unless you can keep the ball and use it effectively. But you don't get to that point unless you actually start trying to play possession-based football in the first place. There's no way you can win the Premier League again uh, as we did once upon a time with counter-attacking football, you just can't do it and you can't establish yourself as a top six team without playing possession-based football. So he's trying to play it, but he's still missing a, a few players in a few key positions to enable him to do that fully. But it is a transition period. So uh, there's, the, the main whisperings at the moment are the fact that he he kind of already knows that he's going to be gone in the summer. There's been no confirma- confirmation of that. I don't know necessarily whether it'd be the right or the wrong decision. I'm, I'm just sort of a bloke that talks about football rather than makes any meaningful decisions about it but certainly most of the fans aren't on board with him at the moment but I can't see him going anywhere until the summer Excellent stuff thanks for your insight there Robin to the, uh, the situation with the, the Leicester manager at the moment so back over to yourself Jay looking forward to this game on Wednesday night we say it on each podcast that it's very difficult to second guess Jürgen Klopp and, and his team selection but Taking into account the the injury situation with also Wijnaldum's possible doubt as well, um, how do you see us lining up and which which of the formations do you think he'll he'll choose to go with against Leicester? Well, I mean we've just spoken there, haven't we, about the potential for Fabinho, where he we don't know whether or not he's going to make the game or Trent Alexander Arnold either. So, you know, we're, it's still a little bit up in the air there's obviously a few training sessions between now and then before you know the team will be selected so it's very difficult as we keep on saying time and time again and and, and I do, do think it's I know it's it, it's valid to talk about it but I do think it's it's quite hard to really give your opinion on it because you know we've got a group of players now that Klopp tends to, to change it around a little bit not just in terms of personnel but he changes the system a little bit as well to suit like whether it's a home game, whether it's an away game, whether it's an opposition, the opposition, the top, you know, the top six or top four, or whether it's a it's a it's a lower than the table team. So I think it's very difficult to really to to choose a team really when you're putting your opinion across. Um, from this point of view, though, because we've got injuries, I think maybe what he probably will do is, I I do think Camacho is probably going to get the nod at right back because I just. Can't see Trent Alexander Arnold be ready for the game. I really can't. I mean, you've seen 
pictures the other day, a video that he posted, something that he put on Instagram where he, he, he still had his leg in a brace, didn't he, for, you know, protecting his knee. So, I mean, on that basis, I just cannot see him making the game. So, I think Camacho probably will be right back because even if Fabinho does make the game, you've got to have him in the centre of the park, haven't you? I mean, that's where he's been yeah. brilliant for Liverpool, you know, the last couple of months. He's come on leaps and bounds and, yeah, when he was called upon to play centre-half alongside Virgil van Dijk and obviously in the game against Wolves as well, he done very well, you know, against, he was very good against Brighton away as well, wasn't he? So, you know, at the end of the day, he's done a job for Liverpool at centre-half, but really you want him in his proper position and, and that is playing in central midfield because that's where he's had a couple of man-of-the-match performances for Liverpool and, you know, for me, if he is fit and available, that's where he's got to play. The, the thing is as well, though, is Gini Wijnaldum missed the last game, didn't he? So he could return because there was talk that he was touching goal for the Crystal Palace game. So with, with us having this 10-11 day break now, you would imagine Wijnaldum will be fit and available for the game, but not really much has been said about it, has it? No. So, you know, it's all up in the air. We don't really don't really know on his progress regards Wijnaldum. Um, Jordan Henderson, as we know, can't really play two games in a week. Because we've had a long, long gap now, he more than likely will start the game as well. So we've certainly got options in the midfield area. Um, you know, Naby Keita started, didn't he, against Crystal Palace. And once again, he, he was very poor, wasn't he? He's not really settled at all at the club. Well, he's, he's had, you can probably count on one hand the amount of good games that he's had performances for the club. So far, he's really struggled in a lot of games. And I can't see him starting this game against Leicester because I take on board people saying he needs to play himself into form. And to do that, you need consistent run of games. But the facts are, every single game Liverpool have now is like a cup final. We've got 15 cup finals to go and we can't carry passengers. And that's exactly what Naby Keita has been in quite a few games when he started. So for me, he needs to be taken off the firing line and just come on for 20 minutes as a cameo appearance in the second half or something because, you know, we, we can't carry passengers. As I've just said, Liverpool need to have the strongest 11 out for every single game now and, like, he doesn't fit into the into the strongest 11 for me. So, you know, on that basis, you, you'd say, well, if he goes for a 4-2-3-1, I mean, I, I personally would like Shaqiri to start, but, you know, I still get the impression Klopp doesn't fully trust him in games, so he may, he may well not start the game, but for me, I'd be starting him, but... You know, as I say, it's very difficult to second guess Jurgen Klopp, and I find it, you know, daft really to do that because he's the manager that's currently in charge of the team that's top of the Premier League. So who are we to criticise his team selections? Um, you know, the front three sort of like picks itself. But like I say, if he goes a four-two-three-one, you need a little bit of creativity in there because if we've got Fabinho, we've got Wijnaldum, and we've got Henderson. What you what you're looking at then is really, you know, who plays as as the more advanced advanced of the three and I don't think Wijnaldum or Henderson doesn't really suit them to play in that forward three if you're going to 4 2 three, one. so if you're going to play that midfield three you'd have to go back to a 4 three, three. so it just depends on what type of system Klopp wants to use really I mean I think we're going to in, in terms of defensively the defensive issues Liverpool have got Matip's back now and available isn't he so you know, I thought he played quite well against Palace, albeit I know we conceded three goals, but I, I don't think any he was at fault for any of the goals. I think him and Van Dijk were, were striking a decent pairing together when he, before he got his injury back in December time. So yeah. I, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be the centre-half pairing. I mean, Joe Gomez has had a little bit of a setback and he could be out for, for another four 
more weeks now, so that's a shame, isn't it, really? Because he's had a great season up to the point where he got injured away to Burnley. Um, Dejan Lovren might be able to return back to the squad, but in terms of starting the game, you'd have to say it'd be Matt and Van Dijk and Lovren on the bench. And, and of course, Andy Robertson will be left-back. So, you know, the, the main issues Liverpool have got is the right-back situation, pure and simply because James Milner suspended, Trent Alexander-Arnold's been injured, Joe Gomez is still injured, so it's whoever plays there, I think, probably be Camacho. And in the middle of the park, as ever, because Liverpool have got four or five players to choose from with two or three different roles. So, you know, it's we'll see. There's a few more training sessions between now and the game, but like I say, it, it's 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 stupid then it's a second guess clock because we don't even know what system he's gonna use, let alone the personnel. So it'll either be a four two three one or a four three three. But it's good because, you know, the opposition don't know whether they're coming or going and it's hard for them to plan for because, you know, Liverpool, in my opinion, in the home games, four two three one suits us best. But the facts are, and especially against a team, no disrespect to Leicester, I, I class Leicester and Everton as the seventh and eighth best teams in the league. Um, but they are a mid-table team at the end of the day, aren't they? So when Liverpool play these type of teams at Anfield, I think sometimes it's good to have a little bit of extra creativity in the middle of the park. And that's why I like us to start Shaqiri. But, you know, it's entirely up to Jürgen Klopp. He's the man with the golden ticket, isn't he? He's the man that makes these decisions. He's well paid to do so. And, you know, he hasn't done too badly this season so far, has he? No, I'd just like to go back to, to one point that you made there, Jay, about Naby Keita. Obviously, there's been there's been a lot of talk. The Echo ran a piece the other day about his um, his time in the Bundesliga with, with Leipzig um, and his sort of positional change that he's had. Now he's he's come to Liverpool, he's sort of playing on this, this left-hand side of the midfield, which he's not so much used to. And the stats that was provided... We're basically saying that he's more suited to the to the central midfield role, albeit slightly to the left, but not as much as he has been playing with Liverpool. Do you think the way, not not the way he's been handled, but is the position he he's been put in has it affected his performances? Yeah, that that's a valid point. I mean, you know, let's be honest, we've all been very disappointed so far, and. You've got to give the lad time because, you know, he's, he's still in a young, is he 23, maybe 24? He's coming to a, a new league, new country, new club, new environment, everything, you name it. And he struggled to adapt. I think the language barrier is a, an issue as well because he doesn't really speak good English and he's only really got Sadio Mane there to sort of like help him along. And I don't even think Mane speaks great English either, to be honest, to tell you the truth. So, you know, when you, you think about it, it, it's like, you know, lot of Lanardi there, isn't it? But you know what I'm saying is it, it, it's it is tough on the kids. But when you pay, you know, there's no room for sentiments in football. And when you pay fifty million pounds for someone, you'd expect a little bit more, don't you? If we'd have spent twenty million on them, thirty million, maybe you could say, well, fair enough. You know, we haven't spent a massive amount of money. But when you pay fifty million pounds, I mean, I think I'm right in saying is he our third highest buy. In history, so you know it's a lot of money, isn't it? You know we we spent seventy five on Van Dijk, and he's a Rolls Royce. He's the centre half in the Premier League. We spent sixty five on Allison, who's probably the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. Well, he's certainly got the most clean sheets this season. I think it's twelve. His nearest contenders on nine. So on that basis, when Liverpool spend big, when Jurgen Klopp goes big on a player, them two have been a massive success. But then for every success you have, there's always maybe there's there's one that does that disappoints and. That's what happens. With, with, that's the situation we're in now with Naby Keita. I 
I think we spent £52 million on him and, he, and he's been a letdown. You can't get away from that fact, but you don't want to give the lad too, too much stick. You don't want to get on his case because, you know, it isn't easy to adapt to a new country in a new league. It's different if he'd already been in the Premier League. He's already acclimatised. We bought him off another, another English club. We haven't we've signed up in the Bundesliga and it's it's not always a quick fix. You know, he hasn't adapted well at all and, you know, he's really struggled. And I think what makes it worse is the fact that you know, we'd all waited 12 months for him. Liverpool really, really wanted him. We were desperate to get him. We'd heard so many good things about him. And obviously Klopp loved him, didn't he? he you know, he's prepared to wait 12 months for him. And Liverpool made it clear we'd sign him last season in preparation for this season. Uh, and of course, you know, it, it just doesn't work the way we all really wanted it to. And it, he's a shadow of the player that, you know, some of us have seen stuff in the Bundesliga when he was at Leipzig and he, he did look really good there, an all-action combative central midfield player. He'd get the ball from deep and he'd run and go past players and he got quite a few assists and scored a few goals. And we've just seen absolutely none of it. I think he's got one assist all season and no goals in, in about 20 games. And you know his, his output's been really poor, really disappointing. But you're quite right in what you say, though, because his, his, his role has sort of like changed a little bit. I think the best game he had for Liverpool was probably away to Burnley and he played more in a two in midfield and it's, he was very good in that game and I thought, here we go, now we'll kick on from that and, 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 and we just haven't, we haven't really seen it. I think he played quite well against Bournemouth away as well actually but he's just not really kicked on at all. He's really struggled and I think like, sometimes you find with players they tend to do okay in the home games, but they might struggle and go missing a little bit and hard in the away games. But he's actually been like different to that because it's been the home games where he's really struggled. And, and in certain away games, anyways, he's, he's performed quite well. So I remember even at the start of the season, I think he performed quite well away to Crystal Palace as well. So it's, it's just a very strange situation with him. You can tell the lads it's clear that he's got ability. But it's just maybe it's just a psychological thing and a confidence thing. But you know, maybe we will not see the better of, of Naby Keita until next season when he's had a full season under his belt because he still isn't a young, but you know, as regards playing him now in these last 15 Premier League games, as I just said before, I, I reiterate we can't have any passengers in this team now. We need to be all right on the money, every single one of them, and he hasn't really. He's been performing very well. He's been very disappointing. So I'd take him off the fire and line. I'd just use him as a substitute from now on. Yeah, pretty much um, my thoughts on it. The only the point that I'd like to make about Naby Keita is, like you say, he had 12 months before he knew he was coming over to Liverpool. And I find it bizarre why he hasn't used that time to learn the English language. I think 12 months, you're going to get a basic grasp of that language aren't you you're not gonna <clears throat> you should be going over there being able to communicate with your teammates giving yourself 12 months time football is what you train at most two hours a day he, he must have had plenty of time to to get a little bit of a grasp of the english language get himself a, a bit of a teacher in there and it's just i don't know he's come over here and he just seems to only be able to com- communicate with the with either a French or a slight bit of German um, that he knows. So I, I just find it very um, very strange why he didn't choose to, to pick up on the English language before he, he came over to Liverpool. But going back over to yourself then, Rob, taking into account injuries and suspensions for Leicester, how do you see your side lining up starting eleven, and um, what sort of formation do you expect Claude Pierre to go with? 
please. We, we've switched between two formations this season predominantly. Uh, 4-2-3-1 has been the the mainstay, if you like, but the, the way that we got our success against the likes of Chelsea and Man City last month was 4-3-3. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised, especially as the fact that it's away uh, at Liverpool, that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he went 4-3-3. Um, so Kasper Schmeichel is obviously the number one goalkeeper. He, he very rarely other than cup games. Um, there's a decision to make it right back. I think if you're playing 4-3-3 and you need a bit of a, a attacking intent from your wing back, uh, from your fullbacks, then it has to be Ricardo Pereira, who has been one of our best players this, se- uh, this season, one of our best signings in, in recent years, to be perfectly honest. Uh, great energy, great attacking talent. He's more of a right winger than a right back, probably. But our only other option is Danny Simpson. And, and he was terrible against Wolves. And I think he's past his best, whereas his best was already elevated when we won the Premier League. He's, he's sort of lower Premier League slash high championship defender these days. Um, Maguire went off injured against Wolves, which was a bit of a worry, uh, having only just come back from a, another injury. So I've, I, obviously we don't know until a couple of days before when they do the press conferences, exactly what that, the extent of that injury, but it's likely to be Morgan and Johnny Evans at centre-back. Now, Wes Morgan has his critics, but he has played quite well this season. He is the captain. He is now, I think he just turned 35 a few days ago, but he looks better with a traditional experienced centre-back alongside him. Uh, You're talking sort of Robert Huth, from a couple of years ago. And now if Johnny Evans comes back in alongside him at centre-back, then Wes Morgan instantly looks a much better player. He looks more comfortable with that kind of centre-back next to him rather than Harry Maguire, who, as um, you guys will know from watching him for England, uh, likes to bring the ball out from the back. And I'd still have the odd question mark about his defensive capabilities on the whole. He's certainly not the kind of defender that Wes Morgan likes to play alongside. So it would probably be Morgan and Evans centre-back. Ben Chilwell has definitely cemented his left-back spot in the last uh, year or so. So he'll he'll start there. And then I would imagine he'll go with a three-man midfield. And it's going to be Wilfred Ndidi, Papi Mendy and Hamza Chowdhury. The problem we've had all season is the fact that we haven't got a midfielder who can pass a ball. And those three are no exception to that rule. They're all physical, break up the play, but they need to give it to somebody else to actually do something with. And that's been our major downfall, I think, this season, really, in that the two ball-playing midfielders that we did have, Vicente Abora has gone um, on a permanent deal to Villarreal in this window, and Adrian Silva is nowhere to be seen in the wilderness, the uh, former Portuguese, well, Portuguese international, not retired, but not got anywhere near the squad recently. Uh, so it's three central midfielders who will very much be in there to try and stifle yours. Um and then if we're looking for a hard-working player away from home against a decent team, it's probably going to be all Brighton to support Madison and Vardy in the attack. That's how I would imagine we'll go. Um, and then you've got the likes of Damari Gray, Harvey Barnes, Kelechi Iheanacho on the bench to add extra attacking threat if needed and, and take off one of those three central midfielders for, for the inevitable moment that when we're behind um, to you guys, but I think on the whole, we'll try and sit back a little bit, soak up some of the pressure if that's possible against a team as good as as Liverpool, uh, and then try and move the ball 
forward quickly, win it back quickly in midfield, get Ricardo and Chilwell providing some pace and width down either side, uh, and Madison or Brighton and Vardy providing the industry up front. But as you know, Vardy only really needs one chance. Some people saying that he's not quite at his best this season, but he's still scoring goals when you put him in the right areas. We just haven't really found him. So, so I don't know. I think we'll get a goal, but I don't think I don't think we'll win it. Okay, yeah, we shall go. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, we'll go um, on to our, our score predictions now, um, Rob. Just as you was touching on that, then. So, starting off with yourself, Jay, I'm going to ask you for your your score prediction and uh, your reasons for them, please, Jay. Well, look, I think you know we seen didn't we against Crystal Palace that it was a little bit dodgy at times, wasn't it? And, and it seemed a bit tense and. You could feel it in the crowd. You could sense it on the pitch with some of the players as well at certain occasions as well. So, you know, I do think with Liverpool having a little bit of a break, though, you you can't you could say that you know it's it's been a great opportunity to recharge the batteries. But then the flip side to that is Leicester have had a break as well. So it's going to be two fresh teams going at it on Wednesday night. I just think with Liverpool being a home. And obviously, you know, I mean, when we played Leicester earlier on in the season, Liverpool started really quick in the game, went 1-0 up, could have been 2-0 up. And then all of a sudden, Leicester just seemed to take control from about 15, 20 minutes, the back end of the first half, and carried it on into the second half. And, you know, they were in control for large periods of that game. Liverpool scored, didn't he, right on half-time, so to make it 2-0. But Leicester played really well in that game, I thought. And obviously, I know the only goal they scored was a mistake by Alisson. And, but Liverpool were fortunate, I thought, to win that game. And, and this is what I was saying before about I class Leicester as seventh, maybe eighth best team in the Premier League. You know, the top six are on a pedestal. But I do think Leicester have got some very good dangerous players and obviously Vardy, you know he's maybe not the player he was but you know he still scores goals, he's still a threat, he's still alive, Why you've got to be on your your toes against him he's, he's got a decent record against Liverpool as well, he scored a few against us um, over the last few years so you know the no mugs and I just think you know depending on who Liverpool's right back is, which I said before I think it's going to be the young kid Camacho, he might try and target that area and I mean, Tamari Gray, he's a little bit hit and miss, isn't he? But if he starts the game, he's got he's got pace about him, hasn't he? So Liverpool could get, you know, they could they could trouble Liverpool in that area. You just never know. Um, you know, they've got some very good professionals in the team as well. I think Entid, he's a very good player in the middle of the park. All Brighton, that never used to be a fan of his, but you no, know, I think he was, you know, getting him on a, on a free transfer, and he went on to win the league. And and as I say, he's a good, honest professional, isn't he? And and the fullbacks good as well, Chilwell. So you know he's obviously going to be on that side where Camacho is going to be playing if he does get selected, the young kid. So I do think it could be tough, and I do think even though Liverpool don't tend to concede goals at Anfield, I do think Leicester probably will score on the night. But you'd have to say Liverpool have a little bit too much for them going forward. I've never been a massive fan of Wes Morgan, and I take on board there what Rob said about he's had a good season. But he's thirty-five years of age and. You know, trying to contain like Mo Salah, Roberto Firmino, and Sadio Mane. They're all interchangeable, aren't they? I mean, okay, fair enough. You know, Mane tends to predominantly be on the left hand side, but like just Salah and Firmino switch all the time. And I think it might be a little bit too much for Morgan. I think we, you know, Johnny Evans is a good, honest pro as well, isn't he? But like I say, it, it's just one of them. I just can't see them being able to contain us. So all things can. Consider that I, even though I think Leicester will score, 
I think Liverpool will score three. So I'll go for a 3-1 Liverpool victory. 3-1 for you, Jay. OK, then, Rob. Get... Yep, 3-1 prediction for you then, Jay. OK, Rob, give us your thoughts on a, a score prediction and your reasons for them, please. You took the words right out of my mouth, Jay. I was going to go with 3-1 as well. Um, not not copying you or anything. I think um, I do think Wes Morgan's going to be given an absolute runaround by your, by your front three. Uh, the, the movement and fluidity of, of Liverpool's attacking players is, is too much for someone like Wes Morgan, no matter how much more solid he looks alongside Johnny Evans. The, the question marks we, we've got over our full-backs, uh, Chilwell's got much better defensively over the last 18 months. He's really matured. Um, but he does seem to prefer going forwards rather than backwards. And I've already said about Ricardo. I, I think he's he, he, he was a right winger converted into a right back a few years ago anyway. Um, so he operates anywhere down that right-hand side. But I think he's better going forward than he is going back. So even if you don't get any joy through the heart of our defence, there's always room down the side, especially if we do play that 4-3-3, because that 4-3-3 relies a lot on either Ndidi or Mendy dropping in between the two centre-backs and forming a sort of three to allow um, uh, the the protection for Ricardo and Chilwell to get forward down, down, the, um, down the flanks. And I think once Liverpool realise that, they've got the quality to, to pick out the spaces, exploit... Um, the room in behind, which there will be, uh, and causes a lot of problems. I'd imagine you'll probably go something like 2-0 up. Uh, uh, we'll have a bit of a mini revival midway through the second half to get it to 2-1, and then as we're chasing the game, you'll pick us off and, and make it three. Uh, I, I can't... I mean, you'd, if you'd have asked me before the Chelsea or Man City game, I wouldn't have said I would have seen a way for us to get a result there, but I just... <laughs> Liverpool have impressed me this season in the, in the, in the way that they get results regardless of how well they play it's not been as pretty as it could have been at times but I think that's what has kept you at the top of the table for so long and will keep you right up there come May is you don't have to play really really well to win football matches anymore which was previously the case under Jurgen Klopp you'd have wobbles against teams like us and teams from further down the Premier League and I don't take any offence to you saying that you, that you think Leicester and Everton are seventh and eighth interchangeable best teams of the league because I think that's exactly where we are and um, that's exactly where we're hoping to finish that's our aim for the season um, yeah the, the the top six are untouchable pretty much especially uh, yourselves and Man City right at the top there so I can't see anything other than, than us losing uh, I can see us getting a goal uh, but I can see you getting three. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Rob. Yeah, I'll just put uh, my quick thoughts on it before I play the, the music. Like you both said, um, Liverpool in attack, very, very good, very quick, very mobile. Um, and Leicester with, with, with the agent, Wes Morgan, and things like that. I just think myself, yeah, Liverpool will have a little bit too much for for Leicester. But I think it, it will be, will be a, a tight game. I don't think it's going to be a very open game with Leicester putting a lot of men behind the ball at times and looking to use Vardy on the break and use his, his pace in, in and behind but obviously we've got Van Dijk now who who can match any any striker in the league and I just think he'll be able to, to nullify the threat of, of Jamie Vardy and the, the other, other Leicester attacking players so I'm just going to go with a, a 2-0 victory for Liverpool, I'm going to go for a, a goal in each half um, 
not going to predict any any sort of scores or anything like that. I just think it'll be a be a tough game and and we'll um, we'll ride it this one out with a with a two nil victory, which is my prediction. So just before we we go then, lads, just got to introduce the band that's um, that we're going to play on, on the podcast this week. These lads are, are based up in Glasgow. Come across them on uh, on Twitter this week and spoke to them and uh, they're happy for us to play their their track. One of the, the the lads in the in the band is actually from Liverpool. Unfortunately, he is an Evertonian, but we we don't mind that. We said, uh, yeah, don't worry about that. It's it's fine. Good track. We'll get you on. So they're a four piece rock indie based band in Glasgow, and the song I'm going to play for you tonight is called Just for Fun by Black Star Jackals.
to hide So that song was called Just For Fun by Blackstar Jackals. Thanks very much for them for uh, allowing us to play their track on the on the podcast this week. So yeah, just before we go, uh, big thanks to the At Liverpool Online Facebook and uh, Twitter page for their association, putting our podcasts out each week on their, on their social media platforms. And don't forget to keep up with the most significant this week with the, the events down in Millwall, the No More knives campaign that we've been on board with with um, with Paul Bentley um, very unfortunate scenes down there and our thoughts to go out to, to the lad who's been injured down um, down in London this weekend so thanks very much to Rob and thanks very much to Jay for joining us on this uh, preview podcast pleasure thanks for having me good luck for Wednesday yeah, good luck to you. All the best, lads. After, the game. after the game on Wednesday, yeah, obviously, Rob. <laughs> 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 yes, but yeah, pleasure to have you there with us once again, Rob. Um, always appreciate your your time. So that's the the cop table preview of the Leicester versus uh, Liverpool versus Leicester game, should I say, coming up at Anfield this Wednesday. We'll be back with our West Ham preview later on um, in this in this coming week so thanks very much everybody for listening and uh, speak to you all very soon goodbye so let's say you're into yoga or pilates or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me either way you know being flexible is key to doing what you love that's why smoothie king created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us with whole fruits and organic veggies plus type 2 collagen make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. I'll only be a minute. Come in with me. What is HomeSense anyway? Look, outdoor furniture is in. Hey, that's a great brand. And it's a six-piece set. Check out this price. Are you sure that's not just the nope. table? No, chairs too. Is this an outdoor rug? It is. It's nicer than our indoor rug. Outdoor ottomans, planters, patio umbrellas. Are you seeing these prices? You save a lot at HomeSense. This is the year we love our backyard. Can I say something? Yes. I'll get the truck. And that is why I love you. Save on outdoor like never before at HomeSense. Discover a store near you at HomeSense.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.